morning. You guys scared me. Well, you all sitting down talking, and then I had to turn around, and you all are standing up. Amen. So this morning, I just, uh, I don't know, like I said, I'm broken record, but we're not, uh, pra- we're not performing. We're praising Jesus. So let's praise Jesus. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King of
Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. All right, we're going to let Mike come talk to us. Good morning, church. How are we doing today? Let me open us uh, up in prayer, and then we'll have our uh, greeting time. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just praise you for an opportunity to come together, Lord. And uh, we ask, God, that the Holy Spirit would be here in a mighty way today, God. And that, Lord, we'd hear your truth. It would penetrate through our hearts, Lord, and, and, Lord, and we'd be changed by it. And so, Lord, be with us today. And we lift up our pastor and his family, Lord. I know that uh, they, they are not feeling too well. And so I just pray, God, you, you uh, thank you for bringing them back here safely. But also, Lord, uh, we ask you just please, Lord, get them back to 100% health. And, uh, and also, Lord, we lift up uh, all the people that are serving uh, the child care workers and all the people that tirelessly work behind the scenes, Lord. They don't want any recognition. All they care about is serving you and loving you. And so I just ask God that you would bless those people as they bless us uh, week in and week out, Lord. We are grateful for those people. So uh, be with us today, and we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Multiply 
seats and uh, I'll go over the announcements. I'm just going to do the one I got before me first. So we have a women's breakfast Tuesday at Mom's at 8.30. Is that right? Tuesday at Mom's at 8.30. And then we have a pool party uh, the 30th of this month uh, at the Mans. It's from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, bring a, a, a snack to share. I thought it was a steak. Bring a snack and a steak. <laughs> Bring a steak if you want, all right, and then to share, yeah, yeah, to share, <laughs> all right, and then uh, you guys roll those announcements, all right, uh, so every Tuesday we have a shower trailer ministry at uh, Freeway Headquarters, if you're inter interested in that, see me, uh, we meet up at the headquarters 915 every Tuesday, and we're able to, to witness and share the gospel with about we're averaging between 35 and 40 people a week. It's a great ministry if, if you're free on a Tuesday morning or afternoon or both. Uh, yeah, it's great. And then uh, next breakfast is August 12th at 8 a.m. Uh, location is Grillo, so that's men's prayer breakfast uh, every third Saturday at 8 a.m. I cannot read that. You guys got it? Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to read it back there on that wall. Like, like man, I need, my, I need my bifocals to read that thing back there. <laughs> yeah. So, adult float trip, Saturday, July 29th. Uh, leaving here from Crossbridge at 7 a.m., $10 a person. Uh, see the young, uh, or young adult ministry. Yep. Uh, see the Curleys. Sorry. See the Curleys about that. Uh, Women's Freeway Ministries are needing a van. Uh, we're actually going to see, uh, we're going to Pastor Jim Jones's church on August 4th, and we're going to see if we can get some help for that. But if you know anybody that's uh, wanting just to give 
a nice dependable van. We're going to need it for that women's discipleship house, which we take ownership of uh, August 1st. So, I mean, it's, it's getting close. Uh, youth retreat, uh, it's going to be a good time for that. Silverdard City, Sight and Sound, Joel and Shelley, uh, please see them. If you're interested in going to that, attending to that, or to be any part of that at all. And then, uh, yep, pool party we went through. Oh, so, sorry, Crossbridge pool party. We got pool parties everywhere. Uh, August 27th, uh, 6.30 to 8.30 at the Marshfield City Pool. And then uh, Freeway Ministries is here every Saturday night. If you're looking for a place to serve here in your community, please see Mike Simons. I'm sure he can put you doing something on Saturday night, but it's a great ministry to be a part of in our community. And then uh, Wednesday night services, meal starts at 6. We have an adult Bible study out here at 6.45. We usually get done by 7.45 or 8 o'clock. And uh, here, 6 p.m. Oh, uh, tonight, we have a men's group tonight. Men's group, Denny, Max. Well, uh, I guess we're having Bible study. Yes, okay, we're having a men's Bible study tonight here at Crossbridge at 6 o'clock. You guys are going to be thankful when Jeff gets back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. So uh, let, me, uh, let me pray for the offering. <laughs> Man, you guys are in trouble today. <clears throat> uh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, uh, that we're able to give back. Uh, Lord, to advance your kingdom. And so I just pray, God, that you'd use every dollar and, and quarter and dime and nickel and penny, Lord, to advance your kingdom so we can share the gospel of Jesus Christ with, with uh, more people, Lord, around the world. And then, Lord, we just want to thank you also today for the things that you're already letting us be a part of uh, around the world. Uh, that we're, it's, it's amazing to know that we are supporting a ministry in Cape Town, South Africa, this very moment. And lives are changing. People are being discipled over there. And also all the ministries that you have us a part of right here in our community and also uh, around the United States of America. So we're grateful for that. So we ask you, God, to use this money uh, any way that you see fit and help us be good stewards uh, with everything that you have given us, Lord. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
can be seated. Mike's going to preach to us. Can you hear me? Yep. All right. We're going to be in uh, Revelation 2, 1 through 7. Revelation 2, 1 through 7. I know you see me setting my Bible down, but I already have it all typed out, so it's right here. And uh, the title of the sermon is Going Through the Motions or uh, Checking the Boxes. So when you get there to Revelation 2, verse 1, say amen. amen. <clears throat> All right. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And found them to be false. I know you're enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I, I had this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Let's pray. Lord, I just ask you, God, just to open up, Lord, your word to us today. And uh, I just pray, God, that everybody here today would know where they stand with you. And I just pray, God, I know how easy it is to fall into a pattern, how easy it is to, to fall into uh, going in a way, Lord, where you sort of forget why you're doing everything that you're doing. And Lord, and that's a dangerous person, to, that's a dangerous place to be uh, for one of your children. And so I just pray, God, that if there's people in here today, Lord, that can resonate with this, I just pray that they also understand this morning that the God that's before them is guilty of this very thing. And it, uh, the reason why I'm preaching this today, Lord, is because I'm preaching it to Mike Estelle. And I just pray, God, that, uh, that uh, if it speaks to their hearts, Lord, that they would understand what they need to do in order to get back right with you just like I did. And we'll give you the glory and the praise, Lord, because you're worthy. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So we're going to start this morning, and I want to tell you that I was last week I was I was at the gym working out, and I'm listening to uh, to worship songs on Amazon, and a, a song came over uh, there that I'd never heard before, and it's by Cody Carnes, and it's called Nothing Else. And as I'm listening to the song, it breaks down into three different categories, and, uh, and I just started weeping. Uh, because I could relate to each category as he was singing the words that penetrated my hearts. And I realized, oh man, uh, it brought me a lot of joy. And also at the same time, it brought some sadness to me. Because I realized uh, how easy it is for the guy that's standing before you today to do things with the wrong heart. With the wrong motivation. And so I, I, I pulled these uh, lyrics out. And I'm going to read some of them to you. And he says, I'm caught up in your presence. I just want to sit here at your feet. I'm caught up in this holy moment. I never want to leave. 
I'm not here for blessings. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do, I just want you. Now, if you're a Christian in here, do you remember, do you remember what that felt like when you first became a Christian? You remember when you were on fire for God and you loved God and all that mattered to you is you were in his presence and you were sitting there in awe of who he is. The second part of this uh, song is, he says, I'm sorry when I've just gone through the motions. I'm sorry when I just sang another song. Take me back to where we started. I'm sorry when I've come with my, my agenda. I'm sorry when I forgot that you're, that you're enough. Take me back to where we started. Now, have you ever felt this way since you became a Christian? Have you ever felt this way? Take me back, Jesus, where, where we started at. Take me back. And in the last part of these verses, he says, I just want you. Nothing else, nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. I'm coming back to where we started when I first felt your love. You're all that matters, Jesus. You're all that matters. I'm coming back to what really matters. And this is what we're going to talk about this morning. This is what we're going to talk about. Getting back to the place where we started with Jesus. This is what we want to talk about today. So I want to ask you a question. What happens? What happens when a husband and wife, right, the day that they're married to the day that they, they come together to, to sign divorce papers? What happens to that couple? What, what happens to the parents between the day that their child is born, they're holding that child in their hands, and they just, they're looking at their child with love, and in the day when they say, man, I cannot wait for my child to leave the house? What happens? What happens when a, a loved one that's uh, diagnosed with a terminal disease and that loved one becomes a burden? What happens? What happens to the Christian that says, I'll go anywhere for Jesus, I'll do anything for Jesus, to the day when that, when that Christian says, I don't really care about doing anything for Jesus? What happens? What happens is, is the loss of a person's first love. And what I mean by that is, is what used to be done out of love and passion and zeal and energy is now done out of duty and obligation or you could put in a, uh, or loyalty. And, and so maybe you came in these doors this morning. Maybe you came in these doors this morning and this is exactly how you feel about your walk with God. You show up, you go through the motions, you check the boxes, you sing another song. You continue doing your duty, but you have forgotten about what it feels like to do something out of your love for God. Amen? So our passage this morning, it teaches us that the greatest commandment, the greatest commandment matters to God. Mark twelve thirty, Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, if that is the greatest commandment, what is the greatest sin? The greatest sin is not loving God. And this verse tells us that God is not pleased by the kind of obedience that does not flow from a real genuineness of a person's soul towards Him. He doesn't appreciate those things. So I'm going to give you the context really quick here. So there's seven letters to seven churches in the book of Revelation, and, we're, and, and, and ours is the first, first church that He addresses. Our, the letters addressed to the angel of the church, Jesus describes Himself. Jesus tells the church he knows them, and he also describes what he knows about them. 
Uh, most of these letters, Jesus says, I have this against you. And he tells them where they've gone wrong. And then after he tells them what, what, what they've done wrong, he calls them to repent, to turn away from it. And then he says, if you don't repent, right, he threatens the church with the consequences. And the letters end with a command for those with ears to ear to, to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I want to tell you right up front this morning, don't get lost because it says to the church of Ephesus. This Right here in that verse when he says, this letter is addressed for those with ears to hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That means that that letter, this letter this morning is addressed to you and me. It's addressed to Crossbridge Baptist Church. It's us as a whole corporately and it's to us, each of, each of us individually as a Christian. And so this letter is to us. And in verse 7, the churches who, right, the churches who recognize where they fell, the churches that recognize and, and repent and overcome, they're promised to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. And so in verse, it opens with the, uh, opens with the words, to the angel of the church. And so when, when it says to the angel of the church, this letter is addressed to the pastor, it's addressed to the deacon, or it's addressed to the elders of the church. In other words, that uh, as pastors and leadership of this church and elders, that we are accountable to God for what is being taught and what is being preached. What it means is, is we're held accountable. God says, I'm going to hold you accountable for everything that you let stand behind the pulpit. And so it's a big thing for an elder or a pastor, all right? We've got to be careful. We've got to make sure what's being taught, what we're preaching ourselves is correct because God's holding us accountable for it. So the first church that Jesus addresses in these letters is the church of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a very important city in early Christianity, I was reading this week, and, um, and actually this church started with around 12 people, and then it grew. And you can read about the, Paul's ministry there in Acts 19 and 20. The letter to the Ephesians was obviously sent there. First and Second Timothy was sent there. First Corinthians was written from there. The Apostle John ministered from there. And then when they threw uh, the Apostle John uh, and, they, and they put him at the Isle of Patmos, um, where they imprisoned him, that, that's 50 miles from Ephesus itself. And so Ephesus was a very important city in early Christianity, and Jesus writes to that church in that city, and he writes to us today. So the rest of verse 1, it says, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So the question we want to ask is, whose words, who's holding the seven stars, and who's walking among those lampstands? And it's our Lord Jesus Christ himself. Now, Jesus holds the seven stars in his right hand means that he has all authority over everything. And it also, uh, it also means he has authority over the angels of the seven churches. So Jesus walks among the lampstands means he's present with his people and he's in control right now. Now, it's, it comforts me and it should comfort uh, you too that, that to know that Jesus Christ is in control. That he's in charge. That everything that has been created, right, answers to him and him alone. So it should comfort us to know that he's in control. And it also should comfort us to know that he's present with us. Right, as that song that we were just get, uh, getting done singing, he's, he's with us. Right, what does he say? No matter what you're going through in your life this morning, Jesus is right there with you, going through it with you. And, uh, you know, and as uh, that... I don't forget the footprints thing or whatever. You know, there's one set of footprints, whether you acknowledge it or not, or whether you even, even know it or not. Usually Jesus Christ is the one that's actually carrying us through whatever we're going through. And so when he says in Matthew 28, 20, he says, Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We can count on him 
that that, trauma, uh, that promise is true. And so when we think about him being in control and we think about him being present with us, it's easy for us to forget about these things because we see that the world is burning down around us. And it is because he said these things had to come to pass for him to be able to come back. We, we, it's easy for us to say, is where is Jesus at in all this mess? But I want to tell you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that he's still saving people today. And he's going to continue saving people until that very last one. And when that last one's saved, he's coming back to get his people. Amen? So that's what we're looking forward to. So I'm going to run through this list. So in verses 2 and 3, Jesus states nine positive things. Nine positive things about the church in Ephesus. So one, he says, he, Jesus tells him, he goes, I know your works. So in other words, Jesus is saying, this church, they are not sitting on the sidelines. They are doing things in the, in the name of Christ. They're working. They're getting their hands dirty for the name of Christ. Two, he says he knows their toil. So, so not only are they working, but they're working hard at the things that they're doing in the name of Christ. And then the third thing, he says he knows their patient endurance. So this church, what they did was is they accepted the fact that they lived in a fallen world. They accepted the fact that they're going to suffer, that things are not going to go right. And when trouble and suffering came their way, they didn't get angry. They didn't get upset. What they did, what they did was is they just kept working. Four, Jesus states he knows that they cannot bear with those who are evil. So, so this church, they knew, uh, they knew the verse, 1 Corinthians 15, 33, that says, Bad company perverts good morals. So this church, right, what they were doing is, is they, were, they were ministering to the lost. They were going out into the community. They were going out into their country. They were going out into the world. But they, but they weren't going home with the lost and having sleepovers with them. They knew if they did, that right, that, that, that that would rub off on them. It would hurt, hinder or hurt their walk with them. So they recognized that, that bad company ruins good morals. So in other words, they liked what Jesus liked. They disliked what Jesus disliked. And then five, it says, Jesus knows that the church tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. So, in other words, this church was more concerned about what people did rather than what people said about themselves. They didn't care about that. If a person said they are a Christian, they, looked at, they listened to what they said, and then they looked at the person's life. They knew that everyone talking about heaven wasn't going to be there. This church took the time to see if the person's life lined up with the conf- their confession in Christ. And, right, and when it didn't, they recognized that. They tested those who claimed they had a relationship with Jesus. And that is our job to do it. Six, Jesus knows the church, found them to be false. So this church also has spiritual discernment. Right? They, know the, they know the real deal and they know how to spot the fake. Right? They know what Jesus said in Matthew seven fifteen and 16, where he says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. What, what this church was doing is, is they had discernment. They knew exactly what good fruit looked like. And they knew exactly what bad fruit looked like. And then seven, Jesus commends them for enduring patiently. So this church is sowing. They're taking the, uh, the, the gospel net. And they're, farring it, they're throwing it far. And they're throwing it wide. And they're dragging it back. And the ones that they're catching for Christ, they're keeping. And the ones that are, they're catching that are, I don't know, bottom feeders, whatever, they're throwing back until they come back and they're ready. Right? They're fulfilling their mission. They're fulfilling the Great Commission. And they're leaving the results up to Jesus Christ. 
They're saying we're doing everything in our power to be able to share the gospel with the people that we're around. And we're trusting Jesus to do what only he can do. And that's to save people. And in 8, he says that they're bearing up for his name's sake. So in other words, this church is doing the right things no matter if they're, uh, when it becomes hard to do them. They're not letting the culture, they're not letting their society dictate about what they're supposed to be doing. They're going to the Bible, they're, they're living out God's word in their lives, they're calling other people to do the same, and they do not care about what the community says or what the society says that they live in. They were doing the hard things no matter how much pressure they faced. And number nine, and they have not grown weary. So this church was, wasn't letting up. Again, they're working, they're toiling, they're not growing weary and doing good. Nine things. Right when you're going through that list, you're thinking, man, this, this church is on fire. And I thought to myself when I'm going through and I'm making this list that this reminds me of our church. We are getting after it from the name of Christ. We're throwing our go uh, gospel net far and wide. We're sharing the gospel. We're not, allowing the, uh, we're not allowing the world to rub off on us. We're not letting the culture and the society and the community we live in dictate what we do and what we teach and how we live. Nine good things the Ephesian church was doing right. So we can summarize these nine things by grouping them into two categories. Works or deeds, and the other one is theology. So everything about their deeds was good. Jesus said they're working, tolling, patiently, enduring, and bearing up for his name. So that's the works. And everything about their theology was good too because they recognized the difference between good and evil. They tested those who called themselves apostles. And they refused to recognize liars because they knew the truth about the person. Now nine good things the church was doing. Right, nine but Jesus tells us in these verses he had one thing against them. One thing. Look at verse 4. Jesus says this, But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. So, so what happened is, is this church, this Ephesian church, they had slipped into a pattern of going through the motions. They'd slipped into a pattern of checking the boxes. They were getting all the things done, but, 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 and yes, they were working, and yes, they were toiling, but they had lost their joy because they had lost their love for Jesus. They were doing all these things and they forgot absolutely the, the, the greatest reason why they were doing them in the first place. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there serving the kingdom of God and forgot why you're doing the things in the first place? I have. I can tell you this. Is, uh, is I've been, in, uh, been saved nine and a half years. And uh, when I first got saved, I uh, automatically enrolled in school, and I was working, uh, working three part-time jobs, going to full-time school, and I was in the freeway discipleship program. And then I said, man, as soon as school gets done, I'm going to have all this free time. I'm going to be able to get, you know, catch my breath a little bit or whatever. But, but then, uh, you know, as school's finishing up, uh, I met my wife, and we got married, and, and, then, um, and then I became... Uh, I was the freeway director here, and then I took on the role of being the youth pastor here. And then we did that, and then we got called to South Dakota. And, and so I got to South Dakota, and I thought, okay, I'm going to be able to regroup here and get my breath. And, and, uh, and then we got there, and, and it was like it was on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And then we come back here, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, things are going to slow down a little bit. I'm going to be able to get my breath. And, 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 
and then we're just as busy here, if not busier, which is good stuff, ladies and gentlemen. But I can tell you, as the guy standing before you, as one of your pastors here, that Mike Estelle has done things. Uh, Mike Estelle has checked the boxes. Mike Estelle has gone through the, the motions. Mike Estelle has forgot the reason why I'm doing these things in the first place. And so this is a call for all of us this morning to, to look at ourselves, look at our hearts, judge our hearts, and, and repent and get back to where we once started with Jesus. Those times, uh, you know, I can think of them. It didn't matter what I was doing. I wasn't a pastor. I wasn't I finished with school. I was, I was a guy in the freeway house. I, I, I mean, uh, there was nothing special about me at all. But I had some of the greatest and best times that I had with the Lord during that time. During that time. And so, I don't know if you've ever been there or not, but if you've been a Christian for any length of time, uh, I would think that, that all of us can relate to this passage a lot, that we've been there. So the good news is, Jesus didn't, just doesn't state what he has against them, because and, and, he doesn't want to leave them where they're at, but he gives them a plan of action. right? He gives them a plan to get back on track, and, and this morning he gives us a plan. If, this is, if you can relate to this, he gives you and me a plan to get back on track. So he gives them three steps, three steps. So step one, verse five, he says, remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. So the first thing he tells the church to do is remember. And so I'm thinking to myself, I remember when, uh, when I met my wife, Kim, and I fell in love with her. I remember the first time I set my eyes on her, uh, that, that I, I believed at that time that she was the one, and I didn't see her for six months. And then the second time I seen her, um, we never left each other's side. And then I uh, proposed in a month. We were married two months, two months later. Yeah. So, but I remember during that process or whatever, I remember how busy our schedules were. Uh, Kim was wor- uh, going to school, and she was working 14-hour shifts uh, at a daycare uh, at, at a church in Springfield. And they would just put her in a room with eight kids going, ah, for 10 hours. You know what I mean? That's a gift. That's a gift. And, uh, and then she would come home, and, uh, and you know, and, and we were both, uh, we've been heavily involved in Freeway, and we'll be until the day we die, I think. And then, uh, you know, and then I was doing ministry, so she was at my, at my side coming uh, to the things that I was uh, uh, a part of, and I was going to school full-time, and I was an investigator for like three or four law firms at the time. But I remember, through all that busyness, I remember that we spent every second we had walking around uh, the campus of BBC holding hands. I remember uh, we would see each other between classes, so I mean, it'd only be four or five minutes, sometimes 15 or 20, or I'd meet her over in the library as she's studying or whatever. It would be for a short amount of time, but, but we would we'd use every second we had to be with each other. I remember we'd talk on the phone at night and we'd fall asleep uh, on our phone because neither one of us would want to hang up. I remember, right, uh, that our first love, it was passionate, right? It was full of energy. It was full of zeal. The, the thing was, is I didn't care what I was doing as long as I was with my wife, Kim. And the thing was, is uh, she didn't care what she was doing uh, as long as she's with me. Now, that might change now, but, but back then, that's the way it was. <laughs> so so if, you're, if you're married, right, you can relate to this. You can relate to this, right? You can definitely relate this is what I want to ask you this morning. And I want you to be honest with yourself. How long has it been since you felt that way about Jesus? 
How long has it been that you spent, you want to spend every waking moment with Jesus? In between everything else you're doing in life, all you care about is getting back to that place where you can spend some time with Him. Talk to Him. Communicate with Him. Read His Bible. Read His Word to know Him. How long has it been since you felt that way? And this is what I want to encourage all of us this morning. Is for all of us today to remember when He first saved you. Remember when He first saved you. I remember being in that jail in uh, 2013. uh, And when I got saved over there. I remember uh, when I asked Jesus to save me and forgive me. I remember uh, that, that, uh, that he did. And I remember that, uh, that I loved him more than anything that I have ever loved on this earth or, or in my mind could ever love on this earth. Because I finally understood, I finally realized that he did something for me that I could have never done for myself. And he did something for me that I did not deserve. And if you're saved in here this morning, you, you know that, that that speaks to you as well. I remember the joy and peace I had for the first time in my life since my sins have been forgiven, since I stood in a right relationship with God for the first time in my life. And even though I was facing life in prison, even though I was guilty for those charges, and even though I should have went to prison for my life, if I would have went to prison for my life, I did not care because all that mattered at that time is as I had Him. This is what I want to talk to you about. This is the way it's supposed to be, ladies and gentlemen. That's not supposed to go away. The way I felt there in that jail cell to the way I feel now, that's not supposed to change. In fact, as we as we as we as Christians has been saved, the longer that we've been saved is the more that our love is supposed to be cultivated for him. It's not supposed to diminish and grow less. Do you remember when he first saved you? Do you remember how desperate that you were for him? Do you remember the days when you said you would do anything for Jesus and you would go anywhere for him? Jesus is telling all of us in this room this morning to remember so we will fall back in love with him. Because of who he is and because of what he has already done for us. So this passage is all about doing and, and having the right heart and motivation when we serve. It's not about doing deeds and works. It's about having the right motivation when we do anything for Him. We serve because we love Jesus. We love Jesus because why? He saved us. Amen? So the solution to our problem is to think on the gospel, right? When we think about God sending His Son into the world to do something for us, that should motivate us. That should change us. That should cultivate a love towards Him for uh, because of that. When we think about the sacrifice that He made on our behalf, when we think about Jesus paying a debt that we owed, these things, right? These things should change us. When we meditate on these things every day, right? We're going to become more people that will will willingly lay our our lives down for His sake. The problem is, is we let things, we let the world come in. We let all these distractions and, and uh, we build these altars and stuff, these things that we're worshiping. We let all the world crowd this out from us even meditating on these truths. 
We don't spend time thinking about the sacrifice he made. We don't spend the time thinking about uh, the kind of love that God would, would have for us, that he would send his only son to do something for a people that shook their fists at him and said, I don't want you. That's what all of us did. Listen, what this passage is teaching us, what Jesus is telling us, right, is we need to do the right things for the right reasons, and we need to get back to the basics, church. We need to get back to Christian 101 or the fundamentals of our faith. And that's meditate on what he's already done for us. So step one is, right, is to remember. Step two is Jesus tells them to repent. So now listen, when he says repent, it's a command. It's an imperative. He's commanding us to. He's telling all of us in this room today that you're listening or you're listening online. He's saying, get rid of those things that dull your appetite for my word. Get rid of those things that is keeping you from Bible studies. Get rid of everything that's keeping you from spending time with me in prayer. He's saying, turn away from those things that keep you from coming to church. Turn away from those things that keep you from relying on me. That is what he is telling us to do. It's a command. He, in other words, right, he's commanding all of us to turn away from everything, everything that is keeping us from loving him. Everything. Remember, I just preached that Hebrews passage. Um, you know, uh, he said in Hebrews 12, he says, Put down, lay down every weight and sin which easily entangles you. In other words, put down, get rid of everything that's keeping you from loving him. And he says it again here. What does he say in Exodus 23? He says, you shall have no other gods before me. In uh, Deuteronomy 5.7, he says exactly the same thing. Our discipleship class this morning, we just talked about these things. Right? We may not have graven images at our home. We may not be lighting a candle and worshiping the Virgin Mary or a, a picture or a portrait or a carving or anything like that or a golden calf. But the thing is, ladies and gentlemen, what we're doing is we are bowing down. We are worshiping other things that are dulling, dulling our appetite for Jesus Christ. And whenever that happens, our love is going to go smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until one day we're going to realize like what we're just going to fall out. We're going to say, I'm just going to go get a regular job and do something else. I'll show up as little as I can, do as little as I can. And I'll, I'll come in and, and escape out before anybody even has a chance to see me. Listen, he's telling us you better get rid of those things in your life because it's affecting your relationship with him. Now listen, if you're married in here, your wife or your husband doesn't want you to reluctantly spend time with them. Listen, my wife doesn't want me to reluctantly spend time with her. When Kim asks me to do something or we're doing something together, she knows when I'm going through the motions. She knows when I'm checking the boxes. She knows when I'm reluctantly doing anything with her. And she doesn't want me to do that. She wants me to do these things with her because I love her. So why in the world do we expect that Jesus Christ would want any less? He's the creator of all things. All things answers to him. He's the one that ever was or ever will be. He is our Lord, our God. Is he really our Lord? Is he really our God? He's not if you're putting on our things and placing them in importance above him. They're not. Or for me either. Right? She wants me to love her 
and Jesus wants no less. Listen to me. The greatest commandment matters to our Lord Jesus Christ. He's not honored. He's not glorified. He's not pleased when you check the box or go through the motions or I do it myself. Right? He doesn't, he's not honored when my mouth says, I love him with all my heart, but my life proclaims that other things are more interesting than he is. When my life proclaims that, uh, that, that other things are more rewarding than he is. Or when my life proclaims that things are more interesting than he is. He doesn't care what I say out of my mouth. My life speaks the truth. How I live my life, what I get up, what I eat every day, spiritually shows me what's important to me in my life. And it does you too. If this is the first time this week that you've heard God's word, prayed to God, then this message is for you. It's for you. He's not honored or glorified or pleased by these things. So yes, we need to be doing the right things. But we need to make sure that we're doing the right things for the right reason. And that is because we love Him. It doesn't matter if anybody likes what we preach or teach or counsel. right? All that matters is, is my motivation is, is the simple fact is I'm stating the truth of what He said. And I'm doing it because I love Him. So, first one, remember. Step two is to repent. And three is... He tells the church to do the works they did at first. And so when he says the works at first, he's probably talking about the things uh, people do when they first get saved, right? Uh, The time when their heart and their mind and their life was dominated by Christ. When I was talking about earlier, when I was in that discipleship house. And all I cared about is, is going to sleep that night, waking up in the morning, putting the coffee on, getting my cup of coffee before I had to go to work. And me getting alone where I'm not disturbing anybody else. I'm getting to my own little corner of that house where I can read God's word and I can pray to him. Those, that time right there, my life was totally dominated by Christ in every area. And then, uh, and then I would walk over to the bus station. And as I walked over, I'm waiting on the bus to come. I would be praying to God. And then when I got on the bus, I had to ride two buses to get over across town. And as I'm riding those buses, I would pick out people in the, on the bus, and I would pray for them. I'd be reading about uh, the Fox's Book of Martyrs or, or something, or I was in God's Word the whole time. And then I'd get to work, and when i go to work, I was the backdoor guy at the DAV, and so, so people would bring all their junk and stuff that they didn't want, and and I'd end up having to go through all that stuff and then put it in a trash compactor. That's what I did all day long. And all day long, I'd be talking to God over and over and over again. All day long. And then I'd get off that, I'd go back, ride two buses to get back to the discipleship house, get home and eat. And then I'd go off into everything that the program said to being, you know, that we were either at church or doing something just like it is now. And man, my life was totally dominated by Christ. And I loved every minute of it. And now I'm doing all these different things. I'm counseling God's word. I'm preaching God's word. I'm teaching God's word. I'm, do, I'm doing the shower trailer ministry. I'm doing all these things. But I can forget, guys. I can forget why I'm doing any of it. I can go through all of it and say, thank you for letting me do the shower trailer ministry, God. Please, please break into people's hearts today. Please save someone today. But I can, I can let these things never impact and affect my heart. So even a ministry, even a ministry can keep you from loving God. Everybody with me? You guys are quiet today. 
So he says, return, right? Do the works you did at first. Get back to that time when your mind and heart and life was dominated by Christ. And so what happened to this church was, is their devotion towards him, it slowly faded away. It wasn't like flipping a light switch. It wasn't that. It was a slow drift. And listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. I want to tell you this, right? If, you're out, if you ever had a boat or you've been on a boat and, and you get out in the boat, right, and you pull your anchors up, right, a small drift over an amount of time will take you to a whole other continent if you're in the ocean. Amen? And it's the same thing with your walk with Christ. When your life's not dominated by Him, when you, when you, when you quit doing the things that you enjoyed mostly, when you quit doing those fundamental things, right, you start drifting and you start drifting. And the next thing you know, you're on, you're on the opposite, um, opposite side of the world. It doesn't take long either. And so what he says is, he says, he calls them to remember how things used to be. Mike, remember, remember those times I had with you and you're drinking your coffee and those times on the bus. Those times that you said you'll do anything and go anywhere for me and all you, all you cared about is just being with me. He says, Mike, get back to that time. He's telling you to do the same thing. He's saying, repent from everything that has drawn you away from me. That's what he's telling us today. And he says, do the works you did at first. So he's telling us, he's telling them to get back to the basics. And the basics is, is just love me. Check your heart. Every time you want to do something for my kingdom, ask yourself why. And when you come to that, up to that answer, and if it's any other answer other than loving Jesus, confess it, repent from it, get back up and say, Lord, help me do it in the right way because I love you. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. So here, what happens to the church that doesn't remember? What happens to the church that doesn't repent and do the works they did at first? Look at verse 5. He says, I'm going to come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So, so the lampstand symbolizes the churches. It symbolizes Crossbridge Baptist Church. That's what it symbolizes. And it's a promise from Jesus. He says, this is what I'm going to do. If you don't repent, if you don't remember, if you uh, don't return to the works you did at first, I'm going to unchurch you. I'm going to unchurch you. I'm not going to let you represent me. I'm not going to let you be salt. I'm not going to let you be light. I'm not going to let you do any big things for my name's sake. I'm pulling the carpet out from under you. That's what he's telling us. I'm going to shut you down. I'm going to shut you down. And you say, well, that, I mean, give me an example of that. Look around in just Marshfield alone and see how many uh, churches closed up in the last year. Go to Springfield and see how many churches have closed in the, in the last year. Go across the country and see how many churches have closed on a week, weekly basis. And you will see this very thing that Jesus promised any church and every church fulfilled. Fulfilled. Look, why does he take this so serious? Why is he ready to remove the lampstand of the church or our church or any other church? Because to Jesus, he takes the first and the greatest commandment seriously. And until you do, until I do, right, he's going to shut us down. 
Now, if you're here this morning and you say, I don't really care about that. I don't care about being a light. I don't care about being salt. I don't care if Jesus shuts me down. I don't care about witnessing to people and sharing, sharing Jesus with them. I don't care whether they're going to go to hell. I don't care whether they're going to go to heaven. Then I want to tell you this morning that you're not saved. If you don't care about these things that Jesus threatens to do in this passage, you are not a Christian. The love of God has never been poured into you, as Romans, 4, uh, or Romans 5, 4 says. It's never happened. If you don't care whether Crossbridge Church exists tomorrow or not, and you don't care about us reaching the community for the gospel of Jesus Christ, you're not saved. You're not saved. Verse 6, Jesus says, Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. So this is what the Nicolaitans were teaching. They were teaching that uh, everything with the body uh, right, is sinful and fallen, but everything with your spirit is good. So as long as your spirit is okay, you can do whatever you want with your body. In other words, they were saying that you can do away with the Old Testament. You can do away with the law. God's not concerned about those ten, uh, ten Commandments anymore. You can lie, you can cheat, you can steal, you can commit adultery, you can covet. You can do all of it you want because the only thing that's going to matter is your spirit. And you say, man, that is crazy. That is crazy. In other words, they say salvation. All you got to do is profess and believe in Christ. That's all you got to do, and you can live however you want to. Now, you say that's crazy for this Nicolaitans uh, doing this, uh, you know, back then. But we see it everywhere. There's churches, there's Nicolaitans all, all over the United States teaching you that you can come and make a profession, you can confess Christ. All you got to do is believe. Jesus wants to give you your best life now. That's it. And you can live however you want to because he saved you and he, forg he forgave you. If, you. if you commit more sin, then that means it's more sin he's going to forgive and it's going to show more grace that God's got. And that is that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a false gospel. Paul says the people that preach that, that gospel right there, let them be accursed. And what's even worse is, is the people that are believing that lie are cursed too. They're cursed too. Because the thing is, is you can know. You can know. So you don't have to believe what the preacher says. You can go home today and you can research and you can check and you can study and you can line it up to make sure every preacher is preaching God's word or they're not. And any preacher or pastor or anybody else in any position that teaches you that you can confess Christ and live however you want to is a wolf, a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're a wolf. And they're eating you up. So don't believe the lie. It's not in the Bible. Every person that Jesus Christ saved in the Bible, were they changed? They didn't continue living the way they were. Matthew and Zacchaeus didn't continue, being, uh, continue robbing their people after they were saved. Nobody did. There's a whole lot of testimonies in this room today that I know of. People that were living one way, going one direction, doing their own thing. Their selves were their, were, were their God, just like it was for me. And then Jesus got a hold of them. He saved them. He changed them. He forgave them. And they're living a totally and complete different way. 
And if that's not happened to you, you're not saved. You're not saved. It says that we are dead. We are dead in our sins. We're dead in our trespasses. And when God saves us, what he does is, is he breathes spiritual life into you for the very first time. We get the picture of this when God created Adam out of the ground. Right? He, he, he gave him breath for the first time. That is a picture of salvation. We may not understand everything, but, but when he says that we're a new creation, old things have passed away, if that has happened in your life, then man, walk out here today singing hallelujah. And if it hasn't happened in your life, old things have not passed away, then Jesus is telling you today that you can be saved. You don't got to walk out here unsaved. You don't have to believe the lie. Listen, there's a whole lot of false teaching going on in this world today. And what does Jesus say? Look what he says about the Nicolaitan. He says he hates their works. He hates their works. He hates their false doctrine. He hates their sin. That's what he hates. And so the question I want to ask you this morning is, do you hate what Jesus hates? Do you love what he loves? Do you, do you know what he loves? Do you know what he hates? Do you? Do you want to know? Right? All we need to know right here. It shows me what's right. It shows me what's not right. It shows me how to get right. And it shows me how to stay right. I don't need anything else. I'm not listening to my friend. I'm not listening to the culture. I'm not listening to society. I'm not listening to what they call right. I'm listening to what he calls right. And I'm lining my life up under that. How interested are you in knowing? So the church of Ephesus, right, they're doing nine things right. Now listen to me. Get this, get this, really, listen to this. If you, if you listen to anything else, listen to this. They're doing nine things right and, the, and one thing wrong. And the one thing they're doing wrong is going to wipe out everything that they're doing right. This is why we need to be concerned. This is why we need to make sure that we're doing the right things for the right reason. Listen, church. Loving God is the first commandment because it's the greatest commandment to God. When I, when I pray with my wife, Kim, and I'm, I'm acknowledging sin in my life, it is very rare that I don't, I don't ask God and confess that I've not loved Him in the way that I should. I mean, how can we go through a 24-hour day and say that we love God with all of our heart and with all of our soul and with all of our mind? Or even had a desire to. And you say, well, I have. Well, let's look at your choices that you're making. Every decision you made that day, was it to please God? Was it to glorify God? Was it out of your love for God? Or was it out because of your love for yourself? And if it's for love for self, then that already shows you that you don't love God. Or me. Me too. So do you love him this morning? Why are you doing the things that you're doing for his kingdom? Why? Why are you here this morning? Why did you get up and come to church? Why are you in those seats this morning? Are you here this morning because you love him? Or are you here this morning out of duty an obligation, or loyalty. So listen, I can fool you. I can fool you. 
you don't really know whether I'm going through the motions or if I'm doing things out of my love for God. I can fool you. And you can fool me. You can fool me. You can tell me you love God and you're making good decisions according to His will and you're doing those decisions because you love Him. You can fool me. But neither one of us is going to fool Him. Neither one of us is going to fool Him. This is what he says. 1 Samuel 16, 7. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Psalms 44, 21 says, For he knows the secrets of the heart. Proverbs 21, 2 says, Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. We're going to stand before God one day, and we're going to give an account for every secret of our heart. Everything's going to be exposed. We're not hiding nothing from him. We're not hiding from nothing, uh, nothing from him. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, has your love for him waxed cold? Has your love for him waxed cold? If you want to grow in your love for God, it's to think about what he's already done. It's to think about the gospel. I can't even fathom the kind of love that the father had in order to send his son into the world to do something for a guy like me. It just blows my mind away. Like, I don't even know if I, I can just process it. Think about Christ dying in your place. Think about the debt that he paid that you owed. Think about your condition before he saved you. Think about your condition after he saved you. Right? When you wake up tomorrow morning, I want you to think about these things. And tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to think about these things. And by doing so, I hope that will cultivate your love back towards Jesus Christ. He's praiseworthy, is he not? So look at verse 7. Jesus says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So again, don't walk out here thinking that this church was written to the Ephesians and the Ephesians only. He says right here, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So it's, it's addressed to us. This letter wasn't just meant for them. It's addressed to us too. This letter closes with a promise at the end of 2-7. Uh, it says, to the one who conquers, I will grant to eat the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So here, this is what it is. The conqueror, the overcomer, the real Christian, the true genuine Christian, this is the person that's going to remove, they're going to remove whatever possessions, they're going to remove whatever pleasures, and they're going to remove everything that is dampening their first love for Christ. They're the ones that's a conqueror. They're the ones that's the overcomer. And this is who we want to be, church. Right? He who began a good work in you will complete it in the end. So the, the real thing, the question is, is not whether we're going to lose our salvation if we, don't, if we don't remember and repent. The question is, is what we're really ever saved to begin with. God says when he starts a good work, he'll complete it. So that's the promise. So the, what he's telling us in these verses is the, the conqueror, the overcomer, that is the ones that's going to return back to their first love for Christ. They're going to remove these things that are standing in the way. 
and they're going to get back after it for the right reasons with the right motivation, and that's their love for him. So uh, the praise team can come on up. I know we went a little long this morning. So we're, these altars are going to be open this morning, and, and obviously, you know, we want to, you know, I, I, you don't have to come down to these altars to do business with God. But it says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, and the Holy Spirit works through the preaching and teaching God's word. So that's why we hold these altars open every, every Sunday. And so if you need to do business with God, you, you don't got to come down here to these altars to do so. But if you want to come down to these altars to do so, you can. And, uh, and so the question I want to ask you this morning is, you came in here, and I just want you to a- answer this question in your own heart, and you know, you and God knows, have you lost your first love? Have you lost your first love? Is church a society thing, like, you know, a social uh, gathering or whatever? Are you just checking the boxes, going through the motions? Right? If it is, right, you have an opportunity this morning, right? You can come down or sit where you're at, right, and, and you can repent. Just like I had to. For doing the right things for the wrong reasons. Maybe you want to come down this altar or, or, and thank him because you remember what he's done for you. And maybe this didn't describe you at all today because your fire's not went out. Your fire has grown hotter. You're doing the, the right things for the right reason. Your, your love is not wax cold. But through this sermon or do, through God's word, you remember, right? You remember who you used to be and you're not that person today. And you want to thank him. And then also, if you want to come down and you want to ask God's help in removing some things that are keeping you from loving Him, God's put His finger on some things and says, get rid of that, get rid of that, get rid of that, right? And you want to ask His help so you can let those things go because they're a stumbling block in your life. And then this morning, we want to also, maybe you don't have a relationship with with God at all. He says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you say, I don't even know what that means. Well, you can come down this altar and I can explain it to you well, through, God, uh, through God's written word. So let me pray. Uh, God, we just thank you for this opportunity today, God. And I just thank you for, uh, Lord, you worked me over, Lord. I wept through that song, Lord, because I realized that was me. And Lord, and uh, I desperately, Lord, uh, I'm grateful to come back. That you're always calling and drawn. That you don't want to just tell us to do something and leave us where we're at. You give us the plan to get back to you so we can love you in the right way. And I'm just grateful you've done that for me. And I, I know, God, that and I know everybody out here today, God, that, that I'm hoping that you've done that for them too, Lord. I just pray that everybody's honest with themselves and, and they ask themselves where they stand with you today. And are there some things in their life, Lord, that are keeping them from loving you supremely? So, Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be here today and share your word and share my struggles uh, in my own life. And uh, just pray, God, you'd be glorified and you'd be pleased with everything that we're doing as your church, as Crossbridge Baptist Church, God's church, your church, Jesus' church. And we ask all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.
got a great worship team and people working the sound booth man we got some we got some real good servants in this church i'm grateful for them uh brother alan why don't you pray us out today my friend <laughs> 